Welcome to episode 189 of Control the Controllables. And if you're a tennis fan, and certainly if you're a tennis fan on Twitter, you would have probably come across the Tennis Talker. And the Tennis Talker is a person, and we we get to meet that person today, Chris Goldsmith, who has become such an authority in tennis, particularly amongst British tennis fans. He tweets daily news, videos, views of his own, the results from the ATP, the WTA, but also probably better than anything else, the ITF circuits. You know, we get to get the storylines that are so hard to get within the tennis industry. And he's become a great source for myself and many, many tennis followers that are out there. And Chris is He's a big tennis fan himself, you know, and little has been known about Chris until now. So you get to find out more about the man behind the tweets. I'm going to pass you over to Chris Goldsmith. So Chris Goldsmith, a big welcome to Control the Controllables. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Dan. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It, uh, what a treat that the tennis talker the 14,500 followers on Twitter, over 350,000 tweets, and we finally get to meet the man behind the Twitter legend. And you're not being an easy person, Chris, to, to research anything about yourself. So I want to get to know you a little bit more today. So tell, tell the listener a little bit more about yourself. Okay, um, I am the well, I'm known on Twitter as the tennis talker. Some people say the tennis stalker. I don't know which you prefer, but either's either's good with me. Um, yeah, I just like tweeting away about tennis. There's always something in the news, always something happening. Even today, there's a big story with Emma Raducanu pulling out of Madrid. So there's always things happening that uh, it is... took you two minutes, and you've mentioned Emma Raducanu already, Chris. I know. Well, I don't want to disappoint people, you know. So. <laughs> and be, before I jump into the tennis bit, because there will be, yeah. you know, that's our mutual thing. We do. We have one more mutual thing, which we'll get to in the quick fire round. We'll see okay. if any, we'll see if anybody picks it up. And it's not the accents, even though we've both got northern accents. It's okay, cool. what's what's your day job? Because we're we're here talking on a Wednesday night. It's late here in Spain. You've been working between nine o'clock in the morning and eight o'clock at night. So so yeah. what 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 pays the bills? Uh, it's hospitality based basically. So I've got a, yeah, I've got a background in hospitality. So I used to work in hotels and now I kind of moved to more of a corporate kind of, um, side of it. Because I guess people that, that follow you and you are, you're, you're well known in the tennis industry. I, they'll, they'll think, how does he, how does he find the time? You know, where he's working 12 hour days. It feels like there's a tweet coming through every 10 minutes. You know, what, yeah. no matter what time of night it is. So, so when do you sleep? No, I will. Yeah, I obviously do some in the hospitality industry. I do some shift work, so um, it's uh, I can work around my shifts around certain tournaments sometimes, which is always good. Um, I don't sleep sometimes, like in the Australian Open. I struggle, but uh, I prefer. I like the tennis. It fills um, it fills my mind, so it keeps me uh, focused on something. So. Uh, I just follow tennis during the day, during the weekends, and whenever I'm not working, it's uh, tennis, 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 and, and sport as well, in general, to be honest. And where did this love affair with tennis start? Gosh, probably back in, I think, probably late 80s. 
I seem to remember the first person I was following was Monica Sellers, just when she was breaking through. And that whole Steffi Graf, Martina Navratilova, Aranza Sanchez, that whole kind of um, period. And then my mum was a massive Stefan Edberg fan. And I have good memories. Obviously, she, she passed away uh, 20 odd years ago. Um, but I have fond memories of watching Wimbledon with her back in Lancashire on the BBC. Um, and she was, I just remember her covering her face with the cushion. Uh, yeah. Boris Becker in those Boris Becker and Stefan Edberg um, Wimbledon final that we we all remember. And then I was a massive, uh, then I, somehow I got to become a massive Zena Garrison fan. Right, and, okay. And she reached Wimbledon final in 1990 and she beat yes. Steffi Graf and um, Monica Sellers in the quarters and the semis. Yeah. And I remember coming home from school. So I was back at sort of primary school then. Um, and my mum had recorded it on the VHS. And I, and I literally, you know, there was no internet then. It was nothing. I came home, I was like, okay, what's happened? It was, and I couldn't believe it when she said she's actually won. She's in the final. And I thought, oh, wow. So I just watched it back on the VHS. And uh, then I was disappointed in the final because she lost to Navratilova quite easily. But um, yeah, that was that was my biggest memory as a wow. as a child. And Monica Sellers, French Open, I seem to remember Monica Sellers playing on clay and just thinking, wow, she is she hits the ball hard and she uh, goes for her shots. How many how many how many Grand Slams would she have won? Do you think if if that horrible accident well not accident that horrible thing happened with the with the knifing incident that took so many years yeah off it's area. hard to say isn't it um she definitely would have more than what she did um yeah i mean people go on about the greatest of all time i hate that i really kind of i'm not really keen on it but i think she could have been up there in the 20s but then yeah. steffi graf would still be around wouldn't she so i don't i don't know steffi graf was still quite dominant so I think people forget quite how good Monica Sellers was, you know, because mm -hmm. of, you know, that, and, and that actually, I think it, it's something I say to tennis players a lot. We're, we're such a selfish, <laughs> the human race, the human beings, it, it, we're, we're fundamentally quite selfish. So, so what ends up happening is we, we actually move on with our life. So somebody like Monica Sellers who went through that, yes, there is some people and people that will remember her at times and what she had, but everyone moves mm. on so fast with the next thing that I, I think mm. we sometimes forget just how how incredible she was. And I have to ask, Chris, you, you, you had this from quite a young age. What about playing? Was it something that kind of transferred from... You love to watch it. You you had had this almost obsession that was starting to grow. Were, were you able to start? Did you start playing tennis at a young age? Has that ever been something that's been in your life? I did. I had a friend who, who played, and we used to play in a local on a local court in um, in Lancashire there in Blackburn. Um, but we never used to pay for anything. We used to just kind of go through the broken fence, and uh, somebody bought me a tennis racket. I think it was a Slazinger Slazinger racket, and uh, we I just used you. to. To play there was but there was nothing at school no it wasn't anything um so i didn't really i didn't really play majorly no but uh i enjoyed having a hit you know having a hit now and again i did do weird stuff like as a child i used to create tournaments like on pieces of paper and right, do okay. draws and do rankings and i had i remember having this game where i was a bit of a sad child <laughs> and i had this game where literally i would have tournaments written down on pieces of paper and play, I'd draw the players like an FA Cup draw. And then I would roll like a normal dice. 
Yeah. Um, I would actually do the sets off that die. So if he was brilliant, six, he would be this, you know, and that blah blah blah. And I would, um, yeah, I would literally play and build my whole like my whole tennis tour <laughs> and do brilliant. rankings and everything. So, so, and it was yeah. all done on a piece of paper, a piece literally a piece of paper and a pen, and that was it. So, yeah. do you still have those pieces of paper? I do. I do. I did have some because I was looking through. I do have a lot of those. You know the. The newspapers used to have the the pullouts before Wimbledon. Um, like on a Monday, would have the the draw and all the previews and stuff. So I do have lots of those still. I don't know if I had to have any draws uh, that I've made, but um, I think I did cheat a few times. And Zena Zena probably won more tournaments <laughs> than, than what she should have done. But hey, <laughs> I I if you find one of them, I want you to send send us a copy, and we're going to share okay. that on the podcast. Okay. Is... You know, like when you had that the cricket cricket game where you is it called how's that or something where you rolled a little yeah the similar kind of thing but rolling the dice and getting the set scores and very intricate and yeah very boring but that was that was childhood being you know, so yeah you say you say boring I say I say creative Chris you know I think yeah, yeah. I think I think the 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 children of today would never dream of doing that because they're too busy being entertained by some lights, flashing lights on their phones and iPads, mm -hmm. you know? And I think yeah. it, it, this is where, this is where passions grow. So I, it makes me, it begs the question for me, you know, you've, it was such a young age when you started this love affair with tennis, you've mm -hmm. kind of had this creative way about you. You know, it's very clear, you know, you've got good knowledge. You watch a lot of, a lot of, a lot of tennis is it not ever crossed your mind about maybe moving into the tennis industry to make a living out of it? Yeah, it has. Um, I guess I'm a, I'm probably not as confident as uh, some people out there in the tennis media world. Um, it would be something to it would be something to get involved with. I'm trying now with the Twitter, I suppose, trying to build a build a following up. Um, but yeah, I mean, any offers out there? <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Because that's that was something almost in my head. I was like, the amount of tennis coaches there are out there of of, yeah. of all of all ages and stages of development. You know, the amount that you have dedicated to tennis, the number of hours you must feel qualified to be able to pass on tennis information. What about what about a tennis coaching role? Oh gosh, I don't think I'm that. I don't think I'm that. Uh... <laughs> that uh, accurate with my tennis knowledge, but um, actually playing the game, but um. Yeah, I wouldn't mind some kind of social media side of it. I wouldn't mind something something to do with that. Um, I, like a podcast or a YouTube channel, something like that. I have thought about it. Um, so, yeah, it could be something in the future. Well, Chris, when something. you move into this world and you make your millions, I want you, <laughs> I want you to remember that it was Control the Controllables that was your first your first step into this world. Yeah, you've been very, very supportive, Dan. A lot of, in fact, to, to be fair, a lot of people have been very supportive, and I always like getting um, tweets from people who are supportive and kind of enjoy what I, what I, what I'm creating. I suppose because uh, I do do it free of charge. I just do it. I don't do it at my spare time. I don't have any qualifications or knowledge or, or, or you know, that kind of thing. So I, it is just me and my mobile phone or me and my um, Chromebook and. That's it. I don't get to travel to many tournaments like like the Australian Open. I would sit up all night in London in the cold weather and watch tennis all night and just do my tweeting just because why not? But what's what's the what's the motivation behind it? And and not just what the motivation is, but you've done it for so long. I believe you joined Twitter 
maybe 12 years ago. I love it's, 12 years, yeah, I think so, yeah. And, and, and But I certainly, uh, it, you've been someone that I've followed, have been on my radar for many, many years. And, and I guess it feels like your motivation's never dropped. You know, you've kept... Yeah. You've kept going, and you've, you know, like you say, the long, the long nights, the dark nights. So, what, what's the, what's the real motivation, purpose on, on, on doing it? Because it's not easy to keep the discipline to, to do something, anything in life with such consistency. Yeah, I suppose um, for men, you know, from a mental health point of view, I, I've got, um, I do suffer a bit from anxiety generally. Yeah. Um, and so I guess the tennis probably does keep me focused. And like I said in the beginning, um, there's always something that keeps me occupied. So if I do have any thoughts where I'm wandering off into something I don't want to wander off to, then I, I can turn to the tennis results or tennis tournament. And it's usually, you know, there's usually something going on <laughs> during the daytime somewhere yeah. around the world. So I would I would I would do that. And um, yeah, I suppose it feels a void in that in that respect. Um, and then I just enjoy sharing information, being a bit creative, I suppose. Um, I like, like statistics and analysing things. I like bringing information to people. And I like I like the feedback that I get as well, bad or good. I like the feedback feedback from people. I guess it's a, it's a, it's a feeling of relevance as well, isn't it, when, when you're interacting with people like that? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I like, I'm not, not training or nothing. And I would never have thought I would have got... I know it's not a lot in maybe social media world, but fourteen thousand followers to a tennis in a niche market like tennis is quite, quite a quite a good number, I think. Um, so yeah, and I used to have a bit of a background where I where I thought I might want to be a tennis um, tipster, as you as you know, some of my posts are are not yeah. a bit betting related. So, um, but I learned that some of the tennis fans were not happy with that betting element being mentioned all the time. So I cut it back change my my approach and just now it's more of a fun thing let's just do some predictions just we all like to have a prediction we all like to have a or oh, who's going to win the french open who's going to win wimbledon who's going to reach world number one you know it's it's in us all i think we all have a little a little sense like that so yeah i just i enjoyed that and then i just toned it down a bit and do more tennis results and uh things like tennis news now and do you, and do you gamble yourself um not now no i i did i probably spent too much of my student loan at university um yeah. <laughs> trying to beat the bookies but uh, no i don't anymore um i just do i just post things for fun just to give people an idea um and yeah if they if, if they if they come off they come off if they don't they don't but i don't i don't take any responsibility for that it's just yeah. just looking at the matches and seeing having a quick glance and seeing what uh what i think is going to happen well like any Anything in gambling? I noticed you. You let us know when they come in. <laughs> when the, yeah, when yeah, you're... Yeah. <laughs> they didn't they didn't come in today. Okay. No, there's a few. There's a bad bad uh, bad collection today. <laughs> you always I always cracks me up on social media. You see friends posting their big their big bet that they've won, and yeah, uh, and then it goes two months and they go quite quiet. And I don't yeah. think they, they they don't I don't think they're telling us about the ones that they've lost. You know, and this is speaking from a man with experience in 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 that side of things. Yeah. But yeah, but Chris, I don't, I don't, delete, I don't delete the tweets though. I leave them there. So okay, it's still there. Well, hey, <laughs> I, but when there's three hundred and fifty thousand and odd, it's not easy to find them. <laughs> exactly. Thank goodness. <laughs> I I said to one of my poor 
team because you know we ended up setting this up rel- relatively last minute, and I spoke to Pat Cash this week as well, and it was you know lot lot lots of things going on, and I said, look, what I want you to do is uh, I'd like you to have a look at Chris's tweets. And oh, I, I want you to see what you can find. And he and he texts me back. He said, "There's three hundred and fifty thousand of them. You know, this is not <laughs> this is this is not a short job. You know, so there's, no. there's there's lots of great information hidden in there, but there's lots of lots of things hidden in there as well. And uh, yeah. like you've talked about support of you know lots of support of people. You know, I, I I did give people the opportunity to ask questions direct to you that I said I would read uh-huh. a couple out, and I I'd like okay. to. I'd like to just read one out, which I, I, I like, and I'm, I'm curious on as well because it yeah. always amazes me how you're, you're tweeting about the Madrid Masters, which is going on right now, for all yeah. of the matches, and then you're tweeting about Pune 15k in India, and then you're picking yeah. up that there's maybe you know some, some of the betting's not overly clear on you know there's, uh-huh. there's a bit of a scam happening in Tunisia, so. Uh-huh. Brody McDonald on Twitter asked us, um, where do you watch your tennis and, and do you use multi-screen when you do so? Um, it just depends what I'm doing at the time. Um, sometimes it'll just be on my phone. Sometimes it'll be on TV. A lot of those ITF small tournaments, which I follow, will just be literally live scores probably. Okay. Um, and I, I would follow it on maybe one of the betting sites because they're the most up-to-date. Um, so Bet365, I usually use just because it's so detailed with, with their information. And then the ITF website, um, they have a good live scores on there. So, you, I mean, the information is there. It's um, I just find sometimes that there's too much. I think there's so many great stories from the ITF tour that you don't get sometimes when normal journalists are just talking about Federer and Nadal and Djokovic and who's the GOAT all the time. Yeah. And I just think there's so many... Look at Fran Jones. Again, you know, she's such a great story. Incredible. Been away for a while. Suddenly coming back again. And nobody talks about her until she's come back and, you know, nobody... And there's a, maybe, oh, it's Wimbledon. Let's get a British person. Let's talk about the British person. Whereas if you follow tennis, maybe like I do, you've... I know what tournaments she's won. I know what tournaments she's been in. I know the I know the players. And you know, you might hear somebody on Wimbledon saying, Oh, that this is unheard, an unknown player. Well, actually, they've won a lot on the ITF too. They've won loads and loads of matches. They've been a top junior. Just because they were known to you, it doesn't mean they were known to the wider tennis world. But isn't this is it well no, but absolutely, Chris, but isn't isn't this the problem? with the sport in general, you know, and I, I, I know you do listen to, to the podcast control the controllables, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you've listened to the, the one recently we had Riley Opelka came out talking about doubles and get rid of doubles. And it's been a common, it's been a common trend, you know, and it's yeah. something that was discussed. Now, it, it, one of the things I was saying on there, which I, I got firsthand view of out in Indian Wells and in Miami those events, they're only interested and built around a couple of players, even yeah. at that level. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was the Alcaraz and Sviatek show. And it's like oh, mm-hmm. they play first or second match, night match, and mm-hmm. and then they 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 litter a bit of content of other matches around it to mm-hmm. to to try and add a bit of value to the ticket price. 
but it's very, very clear. Even the court surface, I mean, in Indian Wells, the court surface was made for Alcaraz and Rafa, you know, mm -hmm. like, so, mm -hmm. so, and this is at the absolute height of the game. You know, they're talking about getting potentially getting rid of doubles or that's in mm -hmm. that's in the stratosphere as a conversation. And we're talking mm -hmm. about it the, 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 again at the highest level of the game. So if you think about ATP, WTA, these big, big event the, the, who, who are basically running the sport, they mm -hmm. don't all really care about someone who's 40 in the world and they don't care about someone who's five in the world in doubles. So why mm -hmm. the hell are they going to care about Fran Jones, who's 220 in the world? Unfortunately, mm -hmm. unfortunately, because what it all comes down to is is who put bums on who puts the bums on the seats, who gets the television rights, and it comes down to what they think of money. Now, where they're missing a trick is is the narrative of the Fran Jones story, as there is many stories mm -hmm. like that out there, is unbelievably mm -hmm. appealing to lots of people if we get that out there <laughs> if we use the yeah, platform to get that out there and, and and i think ultimately that's the challenge isn't it yeah and agree and there's there's a few great um i can't remember the twitter names right now but there's a few great people on twitter that do the challenger tour really well and they give you a detailed match report on nina february and and they're watching it on on the atp website i guess um and they follow it you know and, and that's just you think well, those people are going to be the next ones that move up, and it doesn't take much to move from an ATP challenger to a, a main draw. And then you, you're like Shevchenko, for instance, he won a, a challenger the other day, and now he's in the Madrid, he's in the Madrid um, Masters, and it doesn't take much to, to to move up there with a bit of confidence. Those players are the next ones to, to make the headlines. I just don't like it when, I mean, I'm bored. I'm bored of listening to this Djokovic, Nadal. Federer, who is the gold thing? It just bores me because unless you're a big fan of those, there's so many other players that people like, and they need more coverage. They need more coverage in in um, the newspapers or the TV or the internet. Do you think the format again? This is starting to be discussed, probably a bit bizarrely. It wasn't discussed enough during the pandemic. Do you think the format of the game needs to change? The scoring system, you know, Francis Tiafoe's come out and talked about you know, having loud music, having, making it more of an event, you know, there's lots of this sort of discussion that goes around. Are, are you more of a purist that thinks yeah. that we, sh we should enjoy the the classic nature of the sport? Yeah, I have to say the, the, um, the music, the music, the dancing, the kiss cam, everything's a bit cringe in my eyes. It's just not, it's just not what I'm, maybe it's just the Britishness in me. I don't know, but it's not a, it's not for me. I just want to watch tennis, basically, and get the match off and the next match on and, you know, watch the tennis like that. Um, but it is there is obviously more now these big tournaments. There is all there is all these extra things that are trying to promote the fans to, to come and watch and watch on TV. But I guess I am more of a purist. I don't like the, the funny scoring, the four, the first to four sets. Don't like that. Um, but yeah, I'm more of a purist, I suppose. Less of the less of the gimmicky stuff. I went to a, a Miami Heat basketball game when I was over mm. in Miami, and genuinely, I didn't know what where to look because, mm. and and I almost had a bit of a headache because it was like there was there was music, there was dancing, there was all of a sudden there was like a big big dress up bird that was like flying around and everyone was cheering, and then mm -hmm. before you knew it, next thing I knew there was like. 10 70 year olds that had run onto the court and were doing like a dance. They used to be cheerleaders that was happening. Mm -hmm. And 
there was hardly any basketball. It was like it was like, what is happening? And like, yeah. and, and then after every couple of minutes, and, and and unfortunately, that seems to be the world that we're in. But I let let's see, Chris. It's it's obviously it's good to it's good to hear the purists as well. But I I want to move us on to Twitter to okay. the, the world of tweets and you know something that I I have to hold my hands up and say. It's where I get most of my everything, if I'm honest. You know, I'm not don't mm-hmm. really I'm not really one to have the time or maybe the patience to sit and watch the the nine o'clock sit and watch the nine o'clock news, you know, take my news in. I, I like to know if my football team has scored a goal instantly. I like to all mm-hmm. of these things. And I, so I do it, I do it all through Twitter. And mm-hmm. And so, so I do see you in action, and I, I, I have to start. I have to start with I, I saw, I saw last week and had a little smile on my face that Holger Rune was the latest person and 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 top player to to block you. So yeah. why why is Holger blocked you? Do you deserve it? And how does that make you feel? Is that does that give you a sense of well, actually? You're a bit of someone because because that happens and there's no such thing as bad publicity. Uh, give yeah. us give us that story. Well, we're not sure if it's Holger or Holger's mum because I think a lot of people tell me that Holger's mum dictates what goes on in that um that relationship in a way. Um, he was playing the he was playing the Munich final and to be fair, I hadn't watched the I hadn't watched the beginning, but I only watched it when um, I was trying to watch Botic winning uh, Botic. Uh, I don't know, Van der, Van der Zanschlup, I think is his, how to pronounce it. But, um, Van der Zanschlup, yeah. Yeah, um, and he he choked, he choked a bit, but then he just got to the point where the ankle, there was a bit of an ankle roll. I think he, I think Runa was break point up to go 5-5, five, five, I think it was. Um, and then he put the medical time out, didn't he? He wanted his ankle strapped or... And I just thought it was a bit of a, bit of a gamesmanship. And then... I think it was Botic that put a tweet out in the air when he, when he eventually lost and he thought that was painful. And I think I put a tweet something. It was just a quick tweet saying not as painful as Holger's ankle in the third set, I think he was. And it's just, that is me. That is my tweet. That is my Twitter style. Just a bit a bit of sarcasm, a bit of humour. Nothing, nothing really offensive. But obviously, I think it was because Holger was actually in the conversation because Holger had commented on something earlier on. Because usually I wouldn't I wouldn't add someone's Twitter name, Twitter handle to the the tweet I would send out if I'm being negative, I suppose. Mischievous. Obviously... Mischievous, yeah. we'll call it, Chris. Yeah. And um he didn't like my mischievousness. So and then I was trying to search for something later on. I realized he blocked me. I thought, okay, fair enough. But I mean you've got to take criticism, haven't you, with some with all the positives, I mean, how many tweets of positive tweets have I sent about players, and then one tweet I may be a bit negative or a bit—I don't know if I'm—if it comes across as condescending or they don't they get my British humour or my sarcasm. I think, gosh, it's not if it's not aimed at them directly. I'm not really being. I mean, some of the some of the abuse tennis players get is horrendous and horrible, undeserved. But unless you're going to search for your name in Twitter, you're not going to see my tweets really. Unless someone's yeah. tagged you in there, so yeah, so he blocked me. I don't know if it was him or his um, his uh, mother. But the interesting thing was that he he actually um, private messaged me a few times after his win. I think it was his winning um, 
in his Paris, was it Paris last year? And he yeah, actually, Paris last year. and he was complaining about the umpire. I think it was, the, I can't think what, what happened now, but he, he was complaining about the umpire. And he said, oh, the women, the, the lady umpires are always, always correct. 100% always correct. And I thought, well, in Munich, that was a, a lady umpire, I think, wasn't it? Um, and she said, you can't have the medical timeout or whatever. And he wasn't happy and he was effing and blinding. So I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, I, 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 I think well, Holger, it's like if Holger listens to control the controllables, which I'm sure he does, then you know, unblock me and we can be friends again. But well, exactly. And look, and I, I think Holger's great for the game as well. You know, I think it's his his freshness. And I mean, it's we want these personalities as well, right? And I think you know, if it is him interacting. Then, then I think it's also great because as, as fans, we what we want to have that bit of interaction. If he's had a bit of an emotional moment and he's blocked you, I think that's yeah. okay as well. But but mm. I think we want to feel a bit closer to the players, and you know I, I yeah. love that. And I have to admit, when I was out there in the states, actually, me and Cam Norrie had a bit of a had a bit of a laugh about you, Chris, because uh, so he, <laughs> he he was reading your tweets. Um, and yeah. and he actually sent me one. You know, we were having it, and, and I said, "Hey, he's coming after you," because it was it was around the doubles players pulling out the singles players yeah, pulling yeah, out of doubles, yeah. um, which should be called out. You know, that is yeah. it is I ridiculous that they they take yeah. a place and uh, and Cam and I think just won his singles. And I was speaking to him, and he said, "He said I'm about to." pull out the doubles he's i said mate you're gonna get nailed you're gonna get nailed by the tennis talker and he was and, and he was he was cracking up and later that night he sent me a screenshot of it um and we were we were having a bit of a lapse and, and, and that's great so it's, i think it is it's genuine that these players are reading what you're saying and that that sort of yeah. in, interaction with these top players that we let's be honest we could never get close to before before yeah. the world of twitter or social media you know we could never get close to so i i think it's all great entertainment and i think you you pushing some people's buttons i think is also good for the sport so good on you chris but who yeah, but i have to say i have to say i'm there's not a an evil bone in my body really it, it literally is mostly tongue-in-cheek, sarcasm, some of the tweets, yes, yeah, some of them are a little bit more direct than others, but I mean no harm to any players. I know people, some of the tennis fans that really follow these players get very upset with some of the tweets I send out, but, you know, I've not watched every single match at every point, you know, so I have to comment on certain things. I comment on some score lines. I don't actually know what's going on in some of those matches, so, you know, it's just, it's just some commentary. Um, and then I like I actually like it when people who have watched those matches have come back to me and said, "Well, actually, this happened or this yeah. happened." That's quite nice. That's a good interaction. Absolutely. You learn from you learn from mistakes, don't you? Absolutely. So, who else has blocked you? Um, Gaël Monfils. I think he was last. I think he was the last one after that. Oh, really? Yeah, just because I think he kept he kept pulling out later tournaments, and I thought, oh, you know, I I, I pulled him up saying. Um, they should be, you know, players should be pulling out of tournaments if they've got injuries and not, they should be pulling out to let more people into qualifying, avoid yeah. those lucky losers, let more people into the main draw. I agree with that. I, I still believe that, really. Um, especially when you have players that aren't even in, I'm not saying him, but other players that aren't even in the, at the tournament or they're not even in the country and they're holding back. I mean, Djokovic couldn't even get into the USA, could he? And he's still holding those places. Yeah. I think in Australia, I think he... There was one in Australia where I think I think it might be Ryan Peniston missed out on Australian Open qualifying a few years ago or something uh, during COVID because someone else didn't pull out and 
I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree with with that. It's a bit, it's a bit shady, you know. So that's good. It's hey. good to it's good to shine the light on it for sure. Yeah. You know, that's that's. But again, I mean no harm. It's just I don't know what's going on in people's people's lives and personal lives and, and yeah. anything like that. It's just like it's just a comment I've made, and I I stand by most of it. And if people get upset, then I apologize. But. Is there you know, a tweet? Uh, is there is there a, is there a tweet that you've regretted putting out there? Well, not that I regret, but that I feel like maybe I sh- maybe it wasn't worth it wasn't worth the hassle I get I get from the the fans or the the coach or the um, player themselves, I suppose. But I'm yeah, there's probably a few of those. But uh, like I say, I don't mean any harm. I don't know these players. I'm commenting. I'm commenting as a fan, basically. I'm, I yeah. I often see stuff as something that the fan would see. So I don't have the inside knowledge that some coaches do, like yourself, maybe like you say, you meet, you meet Cam Norrie and you have a chat or, you know, I'm not at the tournaments. I'm not behind the scenes. I'm not in the dressing room. I'm not in the physio. I'm not anywhere like that. So I can only comment on what I, what the information I have. And so yeah. I, so I, I just do it as, as well as I can. If and, that makes and, sense. No, no, absolutely. And, and, and I think, but it also... I think you should also take it as a compliment that so many people do interact with you, you know, because if I think if I think if people in the tennis industry saw you as someone who was looking to intentionally wind somebody up, you, you would just get ignored, you know. So yeah. so 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 actually, the fact that people do interact, uh, there's a, I think there's a lot of respect out there, and I think a lot of people do appreciate what you do, Chris. You know, it's like and the, yeah, and there were so many good um, little you know the little gifts that you can use on Twitter. There's so many yeah. of those that you can use some for so many different things that in different matches, and it's just you know it's just a bit of humor. Yeah. And I understand some people get my humor, some people don't. And you have to like stop. My... You have to stop using the Emirata Cano smile one though. Oh, okay. Well, you never know. <laughs> it is, it's, it's a, it's a lo- it is a nice gift, and she she looks very good doing it. But I think uh, I think you you've overused that. That's my little bit of feedback. Okay, I'll you. find it. I'll find a new one. A new one <laughs> but what's the who's the you know we we've all had it because we're all we're all fans, right? You know, we're fans of of many things. You know, and I I'm a I'm I'm a coach who has been fortunate enough to spend time at some big tournaments, but I'm a fan as well mm-hmm. you know and you do yeah. you have this you do get this starstruck feeling you know of when you when you see him players or you might be interacting with them in person but you also do on social media we all do like my my wife uh, listens to a podcast and she'd sent a message and someone this the woman who runs the podcast responded to her and she was like giddy for the next 24 hours you know that this yeah. this woman yeah. who she'd listened to had got back to her you know so it happens on all levels so who's who have you been the most starstruck with or the, the person who has got back or, or replied to you or engaged with you that has, that has had the biggest impact in a positive way that you've been like, I can't believe this person's got back in touch with me. Um, I don't really get starstruck, starstruck right, okay. uh, not, in the, not in the big way, but um, yeah, I've had some celebrities, but I like just the ones that are genuinely read my tweets and actually comment on them and make a con a constructive chat. I know I'll mention him. Mark Petch is very good. Excellent. You know, he comes back he comes back with some stuff. And I think, oh yeah, he and I think he's such a good commentator and knows the game as a player, as a coach, as a media personality. And when you get something back, some good feedback from him, I find that kind of that good. So it's not like major maybe major stars, but um it's people actually take the time to 
comment on something I've said and have a little conversation about it, I suppose. Yeah, no, that that completely makes sense. And I can see that. And Petch, if you are listening, uh, the feeling's mutual on that for myself and Chris. You know, he's he's one of the good bit, guys. Yeah, I was a bit worried when you sent that tweet last night asking for questions. I thought, and then he liked it. I thought oh, he's going to come up with some evil question. <laughs> but he, hopefully he, he, he might have. Well, I, maybe he okay. You know, what, what, watch, watch, <laughs> the, watch this space. And we've touched on her, Chris, Miss Radakanu. When did you become her big fan because that is it's again it is very clear following you on twitter there's someone <laughs> that you you are a big fan of you you support her uh which is which is great you know we we all do you know emma was yeah. it was, was it was it when she won the us open or did you see that coming and and have that have that before that and uh, you know what dan you, you spend so much time as brits I mean, gosh, I remember back in the late 80s, it would have been George Jury, I think it would have been. Uh, maybe Sarah Gomer, those kind of names were... Oh, you're a fan of George Jury, you also... George Jury, yeah. You're, Love you're her, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then I remember for like a whole period, I was literally waiting for, trying to watch people, trying to qualify for a WTA event, literally. And he'd be like, oh my God, she's qualified. Someone's qualified. Yeah, and that was yeah. all you get in women's in women's tennis in Britain. Really, you get Jeremy Bates going and Mark Petchy. They've been doing okay, maybe reaching around you know second week of Wimbledon. Um, then you got Hemman and Rosetsky. But the women, you you struggle for a while. Um, and then I remember seeing Memo Radicardio. I went to Wimbledon qualifying one 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 year, and I saw her playing. I thought, yeah, she's good. I've 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 done my research on her on the ITF websites and juniors, and I know she's won a lot of matches. She doesn't lose many. And like I say, Wimbledon, sometimes it's just like two two weeks for a lot of tennis fans, isn't it? You don't, they don't follow the, the game as much. Um, and so, yeah, I followed her through that. She, yeah, she, she didn't have much of a career, did she? Before the, the Wimbledon breakthrough, she didn't really play a lot of, because um, of COVID and everything. No. So she didn't really no. play like major loads of tournaments. And then she brought to Wimbledon. I remember watching that match and she played a long match with, I think it was Diet, Dietchenko. The Russian yeah. player, and, yeah. she, and I was watching it on literally live scores, I think, because I was watching another match. I was watching another match on on TV, and she won that one. And then that was suddenly she burst into this limelight. Yeah. Then um, you look back at the results, and I thought oh, she's beat Badosa, and she's beat, and she's played Towson, and she has some pedigree there. And then the, the US Open was just a complete utter delight, wasn't it? To watch completely surreal, really, wasn't it? Roy of the Rovers. Roy of the Rovers. Yeah. And I, and I had friends, I didn't have friends who played tennis when I was younger, but I had school friends messaging me saying, oh my God, I've, en- I've enrolled the kids into tennis lessons. We watched Radicarnio on Channel 4, because that Channel 4 thing was a big thing, I think, for for her to get that exposure. Absolutely. And he got, did he get 10 million views, something like that? Yeah, well, it just made it mainstream, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I had friends messaging me saying, oh, she's great, oh, fantastic, you know. And I, yeah, and then why not celebrate British success in tennis? Why not? Absolutely. So, and <laughs> I just like British tennis and I'm very supportive of British tennis. I may be a bit controversial with something I say. I may be a bit, you know, negative in some things I say about it, but I am a if you follow me on Twitter, 90%, 95% of my tweets are very supportive of British tennis, British tennis clubs. If someone's got a charity thing they need to do, I'll retweet it. If someone's got a special night they want to promote it, I will do it. If they've got a job offer somewhere, I will promote it. And um yeah. And I get that absolutely, and I, I just like to, 
because we can do this in a chat different to in a tweet. It would be hard to mm. get the context. And, you know, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Emma fan, you know, I just, like I say, I, I don't remember possibly Andy in 2013, but apart mm. from that, I'm not sure there's been a, another sporting event that's got me like that. Um, you know, mm. I just, I just couldn't, we just couldn't believe it and the way she did it. But what, one thing I loved about it at that time is there was a smile on her face. There was a, there was a, it, it, there was a carefreeness about her, and 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 I always worry in, about this when when success comes early, not just when it comes early, but maybe when the player's not ready for it. And yeah. and her level wasn't her level going into that event was probably eighty, ninety, a hundred in the world, which was yeah. what made it all the more amazing. But just yeah. just seeing her around the tournaments, just seeing the way that the last 12, 18 months has gone, I am a bit worried about her. You know, I yeah. I, I, I am a bit worried about where it goes. There's no doubting that she is a, a top world-class tennis player on her day that can still beat top 10 players. But to yeah. have a sustainable career, you, you have to be in a good place mentally. You have to be then in a good place physically you know and you have to yeah. be able to 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 bring it all together and i think there is some real red flags there with emma you know i really do and yeah. I, 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 yeah. I i i have my concerns i know she moves outside of the top 100 in the world uh which doesn't all it's not that that concerns me that much that's just a number mm. however it it feels like um yeah she needs to get some uh, stronger members maybe around the team she needs to get some stability and and I, and more than anything else, I'd just I'd love to see that that young girl who was just smiling her way through and hitting tennis balls as hard as she could. I'd love to yeah. see that little girl back playing tennis again. And yeah, you know, I mean, that's the she's concern. Only, she's only twenty, um, and I mean, if she doesn't if she doesn't start winning a being successful again, those the sponsors that are probably putting pressure on her at the moment would probably will probably drop off. I don't. I'm not such a big knowledge of, of how contracts work and that kind of thing and but i can imagine you know maybe she just needs to take some time i've thought about it. does she take a year off and come back and have no ranking and just suddenly try again i mean i think this year she's only lost to coco goff ostapenko shrentek and um andrescu three of them are grand slam champions and one of them's been in the final and even last year she didn't lose to many players that were ranked lower than her and oh. the injuries don't help again i'm not big in i don't know enough about injuries and how long and how how they take effect obviously if you're injured you can't play the best tennis but i don't know enough about that i think the media is i wouldn't say hounding but they they are looking for a lot of negativities negativities there and i mentioned it today and i said it's almost like they're, they're trying to put some kind of barrier in between herself and the Billie jean king cup team and herself and jody burridge and that's why I posted a picture of her and Jody on holiday last year while they were in a tennis tournament on the beach. And I thought, you're trying to, I, I don't, I, like I said, I don't know behind the scenes. I don't know the relationships they have. But to me, it's, it's almost like they're trying to cause some friction. And she's already got enough to deal with than the media deal, bringing that about, about upon her. Yeah, and there's always going to be an element of that with the media. I just think she could help herself with some of that stuff as well. You know yeah. and I think? Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. I, 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 think, I think ultimately... What we're seeing is we're seeing, I think we're seeing a, a young girl who's really struggling, if I'm honest, you know, yeah. I think, yeah. and that's to be living that out in the limelight has to be incredibly difficult because her, her yeah. actions, her behaviors, 
there is certain, you know, psychosomatic way. I'm not saying she's not injured. However, you know, this this wrist injury, I know out in Indian Wells, she was about to pull out. She was, you know, and, and that, that came, you know, from someone very close to her. She was about to pull out. And then, mm. then 10 days later, she was in the fourth round, you know? So yeah. it's, yeah. Th- th- I think there is quite a strong link. And I, j- yeah, I, I just hope she, she finds that, that, that happiness a, a bit again. It, it goes back to this thing we talk a lot about on the podcast, success measures, you know, yeah. what, what what's everyone's success measures. And, you know, I think yeah. we all, we often think that the success measure is winning Wimbledon, winning a grand slam, doing this, you know, and you think that then life, life is complete. <laughs> Whereas actually, yeah. it's it's almost the start. It's almost the start of the problems. You know, Pat Cash spoke about this a, a couple of days ago. You know how almost Wimbledon, winning Wimbledon, was almost the start of a lot of problems he's had and depression that he's had. Yeah. And because yeah. because yeah. then you 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 you're you're craving. I can relate to this actually in, with with when I used to gamble because mm. my the worst thing that ever happened to me was was winning at first yeah so and, and not just winning winning quite big mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so the problem was that gave me such a sense of like excitement of of every just lots of emotions mm-hmm. and and that's actually what i was then searching but that mm-hmm. then became that becomes very dangerous because you know, putting a ten pound bet on isn't enough anymore. Winning a hundred euros, hundred pound isn't enough. So you're yeah. ser- you're searching the big win, and and I think that's very similar to what Pat spoke about. How it, once he started losing a bit later in his career, he just couldn't handle it because he was searching for that feeling again. You know, this 1987 lifting a trophy and having the adulation and having everything that goes with it. And 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 that I think could be the issue here with Emma as well. That how do how do you replace what she's what she's already gone through? You know, how do you yeah. ever get to that again in, in, in some ways? And that's where I think we have to tip our hat to Igor Fiontech because yeah. she she has spent hours and days and weeks and months working on that mental side to be able mm. to handle the media, to be able mm. to, you know, deal with the different emotions that she, she's gone through about being such a young grand slam. You know, it's, it's mm. almost, mm-hmm. it's almost a curse <laughs> in some ways, mm. you know, and that's, that's good. It's going to be really interesting how, and I just hope for, for Emma's sake that, and I'm sure she will, but just getting, she needs help. She needs to get people around her that are going to, that are going to help her deal with the situation, you know, forget tennis. Yeah. She's, she's a great tennis player. Forget that. This is not, this, this whole thing's not about tennis. This whole thing's about just human, <laughs> human nature and, and the way that, the way that we work as humans. So. Um, and it will be, it'll be interesting to see how she, if she just dropped down and, she can't get into some of those tournaments. Will she go through qualifying? Will she play? Like I thought um, WTA Bogota, uh, Bogota the other day where Fran Jones was playing, I thought that could have been a really good tournament to play. You know, might have been the best, but he was away from everything. It was, you thought, well, she could have quite big points there quite easily. And I think it's choosing a tournament is is really, really important. And, and I think because she's got these sponsorship deals, like I said, I don't know how the sponsorship deals work, but she has to, if she can... Enter Madrid, she's going to enter Madrid. If she, if she's got enough points to enter Rome, she's going to enter Rome in the French Open, etc. But maybe, maybe next year, if she has to drop down to ITF 100k level or 
to build the ranking points up and also build the ranking points up over a longer period rather than just one big tournament, which is which was a downfall of the US Open. That one tournament was is it two thousand yeah, points? It was. Yeah. I think some of the players, best players are well, yeah, I'm not winning the tournament, but I'm reaching the quarterfinals consistently and I'm building my points up throughout the year. So if I don't reach the quarterfinals of Stuttgart next year, I've got other tournaments that can yeah, you know, to fall back on. And I think that's a lot of players' downfall. Um, a lot of the lesser players' downfall as well. They yeah. they suddenly get the hundred they win the hundred for the top 100 for a year and then suddenly they lose that 250, 250 tournament and they drop out and then they're back on a ITF level. So but it comes yeah, it's going to be interesting. It comes to two things though, Chris, and, and a side note, she doesn't ever need to worry about sponsors. She's all right. No, no. <laughs> she'll be, she'll be fine there, you know, uh, and yeah. you know, she's a superstar, you know, and she's going to be a, 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 if she wants that limelight, she'll be a celebrity for the next 30, 40 years. But in, in terms of, if we take Dan Evans as a great example of this, because Dan dropped out of the rankings twice, one with injuries and one with his drug ban. And yeah. within both times, he got back to the ranking that he was already at within a year. Yeah. Now, there's two things there. One, if you have the level, you have the level. No problem. Mm -hmm. Emma's got the level. In my opinion, she's got the level to consistently be a top 60, top 50. And, and as she matures more and can bring mm -hmm. that base level on a day-to-day -day basis, she could be a top 10 player for sure. Mm -hmm. But what she currently doesn't have is she doesn't have a day-to-day -day process, routine, happiness, contentment mm -hmm. way of, in her mm -hmm. life. You know, she I, I don't know Emma at all, but it's like she mm. she doesn't look like she's that comfortable in her skin at the event. She doesn't look like mm. she's found that yet. You know, and mm. that's for me where I believe the work needs to be. Because, yeah. because when she finds that, regardless of what her ranking is, the tennis level's there, you know, and she yeah. will, you know, the, the the more matches she plays, the the more she matures, the more her game style matures, the more, like I say, she's able to produce base level tennis on a day in day out basis. That's mm. that's really not going to be a problem. So and that would that would that we're talking about Emma Raducanu, but that would go with any any players. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. If you if you don't have a happiness contentment in your life and you're not in that place, it, it's it's hard to produce performances. It's hard to yeah. be able to handle. And I I just don't think she can currently handle or cope. Mm -hmm with her life and that's something that she's she's going to have to find a way but it isn't the Emma Raducanu show even though uh but it, she is a she is a great topic to talk about my my last one on twitter actually uh, that I want okay. to ask you I was having a I was having a bit of a giggle to, tonight and Andy Murray legend I love Andy he's he's not he's a brilliant guy he's a legend of the sport but I I, I think he's one of the best tweeters out there you know mm -hmm. there's always something funny and I'd like to ask you you know he asked the question, come on, guys, a couple of hours ago, what are some of the worst sporting cliches that are out there that you, you spend a lot of time on Twitter? So I'll give you a minute to think about that while I tell you what Andy said. Andy tweeted that uh, he hates it when he hears people say that there's never a good time to win a set six love. He said, this is a complete yeah. shocker. How can anyone ever say that? You know, that there's never a good time to win a set six love. Um, what What are some of your, the worst sporting yeah. cliches that you've come across? I guess it, it, there could be one in football where they say, oh, you scored two, you've scored a goal too, you scored the goal too early in yeah, the match. Yeah. yeah, it's a classic as well. one I would think of as well. And, and moving into tennis players, who's been, you've mentioned Monica Sellers, you've mentioned Zena Garrison. I'm going to go more era. What would your favourite era be 
of tennis. I'm guessing the the Graf Zina yeah. era. Yeah, I did like that kind of Graf Selis, Navratilova, Zina, the Maleva sisters. That's what got me into tennis. So that's what the era I would go with, I suppose. And any other players that you haven't mentioned that you that have been your favourites? It'd have to be Andy Murray. I mean, yeah. what he did with British tennis was amazing. I mean, I, I started again when I said with uh, Jeremy Bates and Mark Petchy, Andrew Castle. Andrew Castle blocked me as well. I have that is a sore. Andrew Castle blocked me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm not too bothered about that one though. Um, <laughs> we're, we're quite lucky now, really. If we think we got Murray, um, Evans, Norrie, Draper's coming through. Edmund is trying to get through. Liam Brody tries his hardest to. Uh, to break through that top 100 hopefully he can do it Lancashire do it. boy yeah exactly um, and some of the younger ones as well like Bond, uh, Bonding Oliver was it Oliver Bonding yes he's a very he's a very good promising uh, youngster and then we've got Hannah in the girls in the girls juniors as well she could be a good one for the future as well so, so I mean, for, 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 for you listening there at home or wherever you're listening that's Hannah Klugman who, yeah. who is someone you you have to follow? She's she's special. She really is. She's yeah. Uh, she's probably showing more promise than Radicano even did at that age. And obviously, and, we saw Radicano coming for a long time, but she she seems to be really really special. This girl, and that could take the pressure off Emma Radicano down in the future. She maybe it may only be a short period where she has got that limelight because there may be somebody else that comes through. That's another thing where I think sometimes the media forget when they talk about Coco Goff winning. 40 grand slams and being the best player in the world. They're forgetting that there's players coming through every year. There's loads of players coming through from juniors. And yes, some people will have knowledge of it, but there's, they could surprise as well. So I think Coco Goff, as much as I love Coco, I think she's got some flaws in her game. You know, <laughs> and, and actually, I'm not, I, I do think she'll go and win, win a grand slam or win a couple of grand slams. But if we were talking about it being a, another Serena Williams, she would have mm -hmm. almost done it by now as well, and, and that's mm -hmm. a bit scary to say in, in the sport. But um, mm -hmm. I'm just I'm 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 not I'm not fully convinced about it. Unfortunately, I think the forehand, mm -hmm. the forehand, she struggles. She gets mm -hmm. she she has too many matches where she struggles on that side, and you know these players are like killers, and they, they find the weakness and they they absolutely hammer it. And it's not so easy to say just go and work on your forehand. You know, it's just it just mm. isn't. You know, putting the work in doesn't always make the difference because it it, it can almost become a, a bigger problem. So yeah, it, it's good. It's going to be very interesting. The one thing I would disagree with you on though, Chris, is I I don't think anyone's coming to take any limelight off Radicano in terms of okay when, when will when will we get a nineteen year old coming from qualifying, not dropping a set, can speak perfect English, perfect Romanian, and then jump on jump on to Chinese social media yeah. and, and leave a leave a leave a message in Mandarin that's watched by yeah. a million people within 10 minutes. You know, her 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 reach, her reach and her stardom is is a number of things. And and yeah. that's that's why we are all fascinated because it's 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 something that I don't think anybody saw. But let's let's see what, what comes out of it. Before I move on to our quick firearm, Chris. What's your favourite ever match? You've watched a lot of tennis. There's been so yeah. many absolute classics over the last 30, 40 years. If you could pick one, what would be that one favourite match? <laughs> I can't mention Emma Raducanu again, can I? I'm going to get I'm going to get lynched on uh, on Twitter. 
Um, get that whole tournament, that whole tournament was great. So that's my tournament. I would, I would have to say. Um, again, I'd probably go back to Zena Garrison beating Steffi Graf at Wimbledon because I think that was that was a big, big shock. Um, and then probably Murray winning Wimbledon for the first time. Yeah, that was that was that was certainly special. And what's what's next for you, Chris? We've we've touched on bringing you into the into the tennis industry, and what can we look forward to hearing from you over over the next few years? I don't know actually. I mean, this has been a big thing for me this podcast because I don't, I wouldn't really. Uh, I'm not in my comfort zone, so I would like to do something podcast wise, um, maybe with a twist on some something ten- tennis with a little twist on something. Uh, so I'm thinking about that. Um, I was thinking maybe about the YouTube channel. I don't know. I mean, you never know how technology technology grows in the future and what what new things will become available. Um, I do need to maybe get myself out there a bit more and uh, not shy away from opportunities that I've had because I have had some offers to go on radio and stuff. Maybe I should I should maybe be more confident in myself to uh, to achieve those goals. Other than that, just watch lots of tennis and carry on building my Twitter followers up. And if Holger Roon wants to buy me a coffee on my link on my Twitter account, then please do. <laughs> uh, I have no doubt that you, I mean, you've been brilliant today, Chris. And, and I think for, for people to hear more from you would be amazing. Control the controllables. We need some competition. We can't. We we're the two time. Yeah, yeah, no, you won tennis again, podcast. Be I mean, this we can't win a third time. You've got to set up a podcast, push us, and see if you can take take the title of best tennis podcast of the year. I'm not sure, year, I'm not next sure year. about the contacts that you've got, Dan. Uh, it's not about the contacts. It's about <laughs> it's about what you what you bring to it. So, but but okay, thank perfect. you for thank you so much. I I appreciate that you weren't 100 comfortable and and coming on uh you've done a brilliant job i've i've loved chatting to you and you know i i i thank you on behalf of the tennis industry because you've brought so much to so many of us and you know i often do rely on your tweets to give me results to do all sorts of things and you know your hard work doesn't go unnoticed and it's certainly massively appreciated so thank you very kind, very kind of you thank you very much much appreciated are you ready for the quick fire round yeah, I always listen to this bit. This is a bit I try and listen to. If I can't listen to the whole podcast, I definitely listen to the end. Um, so you've got to. This, I'll, try got, be, I'll try and be quick. You've got to perform. You've got to perform at this moment. Okay. French Open winners 2020-23, men and women. Sabalenka and I will go Carlos Alcaraz. Who are the players to watch globally? You know, ones that we don't, that not on our TV screens. You know, they're, they're not playing, in, they're not in the top 100 in the world yet. We're not seeing them play at Grand Slams, but you can see you're picking them up from some of the lower-level tournaments, younger players, ones that we should absolutely write their names down and, and watch over the next three, four, five years. Um, Hannah Klugman, we've already mentioned. Uh, there's a Russian girl that just won today, Mira Andreeva. She beat Leila Fernandez today in Madrid, and she's been winning Good. a lot on the ITS circuit. And in the men's, those French, is it Arthur Fields? I don't know pronounce his name. Yep. Cazot, I think he's another French one. That's uh, There's a few French ones coming through to take over from the uh, more established names. Roger Fish. or Rafa? Um, Rafa. Your favourite Control the Controllables episode? I like the one with Fran, Fran Jones, actually. But that was very insightful. And uh, again, it was something different. 
the way she traveled around I think it was she was traveling around Argentina and um and uh, just the whole scenario around that rather than you think it's all glamour and glitz and glamour and um, she put a different perspective on on things very much so we will put the link in that into the into the show notes guys if you haven't listened to Fran you absolutely should in terms of I said earlier on for those that were listening there was a connection that me and Chris had it's linked to football now what what is our football connection Chris I haven't got a clue you support Blackburn Rovers whose greatest ever player was Alan Shearer and I support Newcastle <laughs> whose favorite whose greatest ever player was Peter Beasley <laughs> Alan Shearer that is oh. our that is our link that's our connection I don't know he if he's... That, he dropped down a le- he dropped down a level after he left Rovers oh, that, uh, 260 Premier League goals it doesn't say that you know, that's, uh, I don't know if he's your sporting hero, but he's one of mine, as is Andy Murray, who you said was yours as well. So uh, maybe we have a couple of sporting links. Um, singles or doubles? Singles. Let's or no let's? Let's. Five sets or three? Five. Medical timeout or not? Medical timeout, yes, just one timeout and for anything you can have it, for even an existing injury, but just one timeout only. And what's one rule change that you would have in tennis? I think I tweet about it quite a lot. No buys in tournaments. Get everybody playing, to, every, all the same, same matches and have more players playing the tournaments. It seems logical. Now, to give us counter-argument to this slightly... I think in some what they've tried to do is give more people the opportunity to play the tournaments by making the draw bigger. And I can I can say this with absolute certainty. These facilities at the Masters 1000 events cannot handle the number of players that they have there already. I agree, I agree that's a problem, yeah. You know, so getting getting it was in Miami I was watching Andy courtside Andy Murray, and he was complaining to Lendl at the side of the court, and he was saying, it's ridiculous, I've been practising off-site for the last couple of days, the balls weren't bouncing, and here they're bouncing over my head. You know, Sir Andy Murray couldn't get a practice court in Miami. This is how hard it can be to get practice courts, to to have a seat to get lunch. You know, th- there is a bit of that side. So uh, I, I'm not normally a one to support ATP, WTA, and lots of things. Because I think they get a lot of things wrong as well. I think they do a lot of good things, but a lot of things they can do better. But there is an argument that they could cut the draws to 64. So they're actually adding an extra 32 players by making them a 96. Um, You know, I guess it just depends which way you look at it. But certainly sometimes it's nonsensical. But I, I think the buys tend to be there to protect the facilities. My other one would be, if you retire in singles or doubles, you pull out the whole tournament. Yeah, I, I would go with that for sure. You know, and especially if you pull out, if you pull out of qualifying, retiring and qualifying, and they get a lucky loser spot, yeah, which I, I've seen I, happen on a few times is particular. I'm fully with you on that. I'm fully with you on that, without without a shadow of a doubt. And our last question: Who should be next guest on Control the Controllables? But as you'll know, Chris, if you listen to this segment of the podcast, 
you do have a responsibility to help us with that. It's not just throwing out Barack Obama and then hoping that we can pick it up. You have to be able to have a bit of a connection here. You know, we've had Holger Rune. I know that would be the obvious oh, one. Uh, we've had him on already. Who should our next guest be? I don't think you've had. I don't think you've had Georgiou. Have you? No, we haven't. No, I think Georgiou would be great. I think she's. I think she would have a great insight because she's been a commentator, coach, and she's played a lot in a great era and loads of stories. And when you listen to her, I think she's one of the best commentators because she's just very genuine and very down to earth. And I think she'd be a great guest. Love it. I'll get, try. I'll send you a tweet. I don't know. Get get tweeting, Chris. And, and Joe, we look forward to having you on. Chris, you're a star. Thank you. Thank you for letting us into your personal world a little bit. And, you know, not just the 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 front that can be a screen name on, on a social media page. You know, it's been a it's been a pleasure ch- talking to you. I, I mm-hmm. hope this opens the doors for many more opportunities. And th- th- I have no doubt that you can absolutely excel in it. So thank you very much. I guess I'll be back on when Radicone wins the next Grand Slam. Well, that's it. We'll get you on time. we'll get you on the panel next time she does that. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Dan. Well, that was good. Finally, we got to meet the tennis talker. Yeah, the man behind the tweets, as you called him, although I'm still laughing at the Peter Beardsley comment. <laughs> it's like, no! <laughs> well, that's just, that gives me, I've got a big smile on my face this morning because any of the Newcastle United fans, <laughs> we've qualified for the Champions League for the first time in 21 years. And Peter Beardsley was a legend, but maybe not quite a big as a legend as, as Alan Shearer. And yeah, it was it, for me, it was great. I mean, I've had quite a bit of back and forth with Chris over the years. He's definitely a one to keep on your side because he's got such a following on, on Twitter. And it was so interesting for me just to hear some of the stories behind the blocks, you know, that he gets on Twitter from these famous tennis players. And I think it, it probably opens up, Vicky, a, a bigger... A bigger subject, really. You know, we're living in a in an online world. We're living in a world where these players really are. Like I said to Chris, Cam Norrie was genuinely talking about it on a daily basis. He was <laughs> he was sending me text messages of like screenshots, you know, about about some of his comments about the the, the singles guys pulling out of the doubles, all in good jest. But if you imagine some players that are looking for that, they're looking for that almost justification that what they're doing is good, it's probably not that healthy that they're taking things so personally on on social media. Well, I mean, I can't even imagine having to be in the space that they're in now, but having been criticised and complimented so publicly, it's horrendous. But, you know, you have to take the good with the bad, I think. Um, And I guess for those who struggle to take any criticism or bad, I guess that's one way of just cancelling that out. Just a quick block done. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I, and I do think it's again, it's a bigger topic. Maybe it's a it's a podcast topic, an episode topic in the future. But education. I know. was going to say, you had media training when you were at um, Bisham. At what age? 14, 15? 14, 15. I mean, media training. If you call <laughs> me and the lads 
having a bit of a laugh behind the microphone for for a couple of hours but it, it was still more than anyone else but now i think it's it's changed completely it's it's learning how to distance yourself from comments and understand that everyone's going to have different opinions and not everyone is going to like you or agree with what you do someone might, might dislike you for the shoes that you're wearing or the brand that you who, who sponsored you you know you have to kind of almost turn that off but it's another layer of things that these players are having to deal with that we we never had to yeah well, there's, there's our so, era never had to the, the positives of it it's great that fans get to engage with the players it's amazing you know and that's that's something i i think chris has done really well because now that he's grown the following people genuinely are looking to his tweets for relevance in the game you know and you you hear quite a lot I, certainly the British players I see a lot of them saying thank you you know it's nice that they've been mentioned you know by a, a, a and, relatively big platform like that and to feel supported absolutely so so, the, so there's big big positives 100% we have it at the academy don't we and we've got to be very careful to, to make sure that we are giving the right percentage of engagement with each player because you'll get parents and players will get very upset if if their child does well in a tournament and it's for some reason it's it's missed out there so it's real it's a it's a big part of the world but there is massive negatives that potentially come with it and 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 I guess those that do have mental health struggles and and tend to take things very personally or aren't in the best headspace with their own tennis at that time I don't think it necessarily has to be blocks all the time, but maybe it's it's take yourself off social media. I know, oh, yeah. you know, Dan Evans did it. I can talk about Lloyd, you know, Lloyd Glasspool, who who I coach. You know, he a few years ago got into it a little bit with, I think it was Misha Zverev, and and then and then Alex Zverev jumped on and started saying things. So then. Alex Zverev is a big global star. He started, all of his fans then jumped on Lloyd as well. You know, and it was the sort of thing that just didn't work for Lloyd. So he came off social media. You know, he's he's still on Instagram, I believe, but he, he has his comments turned off quite a lot. And there's just less ways of getting to you. So that comes down to, to personal management as well. But for me, it was actually interesting as well that Chris talked a bit about his mental health struggles and and actually that tennis is such a release for him and and you know because I I just couldn't believe it wasn't a full-time job I know he doesn't get paid for it but the amount that he does and what he is giving back to to the tennis community you know through the night but as well as working his 40 hour week as well it's incredible but that was really interesting to hear that he is doing it sometimes as a bit of a distraction and and this is what the, the beautiful sport of tennis and obviously other sports can give to us as well they they give people so much and his tweets are really creative as well. When he was talking about coming on the podcast, he had some really nice ideas for how to promote it. I was like, we should be calling him every week. How should, what should we do with this one? So there you go, Chris. It's, a, <laughs> it's an invite to the marketing team <laughs> at Soto Tennis Academy and Control the Controllables. But his knowledge is amazing. He just touched on a few things. You know, this player was playing at this tournament and this player did this. And it, his knowledge is huge. And I always say that the pro players, some of them don't have any knowledge of the game, really. I was just watching the other day on Tennis TV, one of their past champions of the Australian Open. And Dominic Team could list everyone back to 2000 perfectly, got every name right. But he was the only one. All the rest 
just couldn't do it, especially once we started getting back to the early 2000s. And it was Rublev. They had to give him a clue. And they said, do you want a country 2002 Australian Open champion? <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, yeah. And they said, Sweden. He went, Borg. <laughs> the guy behind the camera was like, Bjorn Borg in the 2000s. <laughs> but I do think it's really important for players to know to you know have the knowledge of the game know what's going on currently but also have know their know their history know the roots of the game so let me hear what you're saying you're saying that chris goldsmith could have been one of the legends of the game if he just started playing a bit earlier because there is if you if you speak to eager Sviatek, i bet you she has amazing knows the history of the sport you know if you if you speak to andy murray yeah, he, he will tell you every result that's ever happened Roger Federer was was very similar you know I, I often think the legends of the game and that's maybe one of the reasons that they have they're so in touch with the history well it's the true passion isn't it absolutely and that's that's what brings longevity so Chris I, I don't know exactly how old you are but maybe there's still time you know your passion <laughs> If we can just sort your forehand out, <laughs> we add that to your passion, and we might there might be a tennis player in there. <laughs> and you've just spoken about Lloyd Glassball. We can't not mention this week him moving into the top ten in the world in men's doubles for the first time. So exciting! Yeah, it really is. And and obviously being involved in a in a in a tennis journey, not to be too cheesy for for almost twenty years, and and seeing the. The ebbs, the flaws, the difficulties, the challenges—you know—that that that players go through, but not just players. And I'd love to give a shout out to to Sean and Neil, his parents, that have completely backed him all the way through. To Claire Williamson, his first ever coach at Blossom Field, to you know really put the foundations in place. And then and then Louis Kaye, still our most downloaded episode uh, on the on the podcast. Louis Louis's a genius, you know, and I've been lucky to, to be spending time with Louis over the last few months working with the boys. And and last but not least, we're talking a lot about Lloyd because of our personal connection the last 20 years. But his partner, you know, and Harry Heliavara, who not only a great tennis player, but a great guy who's moved back into the top 10. He There was a bit of a personal joke going on with the boys that Lloyd had never been in the top 10 and Harry had been number nine, which I'll share a quick story on that, which for you tennis fans out there, some of you will know this, some of you won't, but the reason that Harry was ranked ahead of Lloyd was because, because Lloyd played an extra tournament and in that extra tournament, he lost in the first round. And the way that it works in the, in the doubles, on the doubles tour is you, every ATP 1000 event in Grand Slam you play, those points that you get from those events go towards your final ranking. So you have 19 tournaments that count. And if you lose a first round, then one of your 19 is automatically a zero. So because Lloyd played in Miami last year with Michael Venus, lost first round, he got a zero and Harry was able to use one of his other 90 points, I think, to come in. So now they're ranked the same. But the joke last week after they won in Bordeaux, Glasspool becomes before Heliavara in the, <laughs> the in the alphabet. So so Lloyd, if you look at the rankings, is sitting 
a little bit ahead of them. So a big well done, boys. The work's not done. Long way to go, but it's it's really nice to have have, have witnessed that that journey to date. And hopefully we'll be talking about bigger and better things in, in the future as well. It's just a lovely moment to stop for, just pause and say, okay, this is an amazing achievement and push on. And what's possible. Yeah. You know, and you know, you, you listen to, to Lloyd's podcast and he's been on with Harry as well. You know, he was a very, very good tennis player, but... You know, he wasn't necessarily nailed on like the Alcarazes of the world. So for him to still be going at that age, uh, it, it, it should give a lot of motivation and inspiration to, to many others as well. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode yet with Pat Cash, we, we've had loads of people get in contact actually to say it's one of their favourites and how much they enjoyed it. It really is a good one. I've put the link in the show notes to his episode, 188. And then next week, Dan, we've got French Open preview. I can't believe we're at French Open time already. It starts on Sunday, you know, so we're, we're, we're really close. We've got a great panel as as always, you know, there's lots of storylines. There's there's some obvious ones. I'm sure we might be talking about Mr. Nadal at some point, but we'll also be searching to get those storylines that that you at home aren't quite sure of right now, and get those inside insights into the French Open. So look out for that one. As always, thanks for your support. But until next time, I'm Dan Kiernan, and we are Control the Controllables. <laughs>